1: I'm Chelsea, and I love true crime.
0: And I'm David, and I love horror movies.
1: And this is Based on a True Crime. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the end of our rain two of episodes. Madness yes, it, it really has felt like a reign of madness. This week's topic kind of, we'll say, came to me in a dream. No. <laughs> we watched... The movie Lady in White. I loved it so much that I decided we had to do an episode on ghost solving crimes. So, we did the research. Now we're recording. Right now. Right this very second.
0: Right this second. Or are we ghosts? (laughs) Actually, Chelsea and David died seven years ago.
1: All right. But on that note, let's get into it. So, the first case we're going to be talking about is... The Case of the Voice from the Grave. This is the story of Teresita Bassa. She was a respiratory therapist at the now defunct Edgewater Hospital in Chicago. And on the night of February 21st, 1977, she spoke with a friend on the phone at 7.10 p.m. about selling some event tickets. And she received a second phone call at 7.30, which lasted about 20 minutes. At 8.40, firefighters received a call about a fire at her apartment, which was on the 15th floor of 2740 North Pine Grove Avenue in Lincoln Park. When they got there, they found Teresita's body. She had been stabbed through the chest with a kitchen knife and set on fire under her mattress and a pile of burning clothes. She'd been stripped and posed to look as though she had been raped, but uh, an examination of her body showed that she had not actually been raped. The apartment was ransacked, and one of the few clues the police discovered was a note reading, quote, Get tickets for A.S., but they did not realize the significance of this note until later on when they received a tip about another respiratory technician who worked at Edgewater named Alan Showery. The tip put police in touch with Jose and Remy Chua, Jose was a doctor, but he did not know Teresita, and he was not aware of her murder until his wife became possessed by Teresita's spirit. This happened on three occasions, during which Remy conveyed details about how Teresita was murdered and by whom. Remy told police that Alan Showery had gone to Teresita's apartment to repair her television, but instead stabbed her, stole her jewelry, and set her on fire. Police confronted Showery at his apartment, and at first he denied everything, but police found a pearl ring and a jade pendant belonging to Teresita among Showery's girlfriend's jewelry and he confessed to the crime. The Chua's testified against Shaori during his trial, and this trial ended up being dubbed the voice from the grave trial. And Shaori pled not guilty at first. He claimed that the police fed him information and that they threatened to arrest his pregnant girlfriend. The trial was also complicated by the fact that Remy Chua and Alan Showery actually were not strangers. They worked together and Remy suspected that Alan Showery had complained about her quality of work, which resulted in her being fired just hours before the first occasion where she was supposedly possessed by Teresita's spirit.
0: Ah, uh, what a coincidence, yes. huh?
1: So the first trial actually ended in a mistrial on January 26th of 1979. But a month later, Showery pled guilty and he was sentenced to 14 years in prison, but was paroled in July of 1983, just four years later. So I thought that was an interesting case, especially when it's kind of complicated by Remi knowing the killer or supposed killer. I know there's a few theories as to what was maybe going on. So if you don't believe that she was truly possessed by the ghost, she may have had some inkling that he was involved, either overhearing snippets of conversation that he was having, or maybe just some kind of subconscious aversion to him, or maybe some changes in his demeanor after the crime took place. Something that led her to want to tell police that he was involved and it, seems pretty likely that he was he did end up pleading guilty they did find her jewelry and his girlfriend said that you know Alan had given her that jewelry after the murder as like a present so who knows or it was the ghost could always be the ghost
0: it could be you never know well I mean you know maybe we do know but
1: yeah <laughs> so what's your story David
0: yeah so our second case is about the Green Briar ghost and this took place in Greenbrier County West Virginia yeah. Elva Zona Hester was born around 1873, and in October of 1896, she met a drifter named Aramis. Stribbing trout shoe they fell in love and married despite zona's mother mary jane robinson hester uh, intensely disliking him a few months later on january 23rd of 1897 zona's body was found by a boy Shoe had sent to the house on an errand she was laying dead at the bottom of the stairs the local doctor was called to examine the body But she was acting so grief-stricken and reacted violently when the doctor tried to get a closer look. So he just listed the cause of death First as quote everlasting faint and then as quote childbirth even though it is unknown whether she was even pregnant during zona's wake on january 24th shu continued to act bizarre not letting anyone get close to the coffin he placed pillows around her head and wrapped a large scarf around her neck to help her quote rest easier Hmm. Mary Jane Hester was especially suspicious of Shu. She prayed for four weeks that her daughter would return to tell her the truth, and she did. Over the course of four nights, Zona appeared to her mother and told her that her husband attacked her in a fit of rage for not cooking any meat for supper and had broken her neck. The ghost turned her head 180 degrees to prove this.
1: That kind of sound like something out of Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah, oh, totally. Ghosts turning
1: their head around. Also, I'm very glad you don't eat meat, David.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad glad too. So Mary convinced the local prosecutor to reopen the case, and Zona's body was exhumed, and a further examination found that her neck had in fact been broken. Even before she had been exhumed, Shu told the local newspaper that, quote, they will not be able to prove I did it. In addition to the broken neck, they found bruises from fingers, and her windpipe was crushed. Shu was immediately arrested. As he was awaiting trial, information surfaced about his two previous wives. The first claimed that Shu had frequently beaten her, while the second died under mysterious circumstances. Shu entered a plea of not guilty. During the trial, Mary Jane Hester was questioned by Shu's defense attorney. He was trying to paint Mary Jane as delusional, but she did not waver, and the jury believed her story about seeing her daughter's ghost. Shu was found guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. On March 13th of 1900, Shu died when an epidemic of measles, mumps, or pneumonia spread throughout the prison. Mary Jane Hester died in 1916, and would never renounce her claim that she had seen her daughter's ghost.
1: Justice was served.
0: (laughs) Oh, totally, yeah. That's a good one. I love that story.
1: I think what I like so much about these two stories is... You come across a lot of true crime cases where the only person who really knows who the killer was or is, you know, is dead. (laughs) For both of these cases, they are women who were alone and were attacked in their homes. Yeah, there's just, they're the only ones that know. So sometimes you just need to come back as a ghost, get your revenge, you know, whether it be in the form of the justice system or jumping out saying boo. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Saying boo and twisting your head uh, all the way around.
1: Driving them mad, like in the Telltale Heart. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So many options.
0: Lots of options there. Mm.
1: So, speaking of ghosts getting revenge and getting justice and finding peace, why don't we jump right into our discussion of Lady in White?
0: Yes, let's do that in just a moment. It's
2: 1962. It's Halloween. I wish I was as weird as you. Thanks. There's nothing wrong with the town of Willow Point Falls. But a powerful imagination can't cure. The London Bridge crumpled under the monster's huge lizard feet. That's impossible. Or is it? But this time, it's not make-believe No It was too dark.
0: I couldn't see his face.
2: This time it's serious, deadly serious. I'm
0: telling you that doesn't matter. this case has been making monkeys out of all of us for the past 10 years. And
2: strange. Very strange. For you have seen a girl. girl who wants you to find her killer. Will you help me? You have just one hope to solve the mystery. Sometimes when someone dies violent, they can't rest in peace. To stop the evil. Where are you going? I gotta follow her. To save your life. I'm here, child. Open the door. Lady in White.
0: And we're back. You know, you heard a couple of spooky stories of ghosts helping to kind of solve crimes, and we are going to talk about 1988's Lady in White. The plot of Lady in White, uh, I'll just read it right off of the cover to the movie. The year is 1962. The place is Willow Point Falls. Nobody talks about what happened in the school cloakroom 10 years ago. Now, in the dead of night, Frankie Scarlatti is going to find out why.
1: Very nice. It gives away very little about the plot. (laughs)
0: It, it does yeah. yeah i guess you know there will be a lady in white
1: yeah and the term lady in white the idea of the lady in white is it's a ghost that predates this movie for sure there are many different ladies and <laughs> ladies in white lady in whites <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's many true. different
1: stories. Yeah, there,
0: there are. And this one in particular, um, when I was just reading about the, the making of it, they did call out that the movie is based on a version of the lady in white legend, which in this particular instance concerned a woman who supposedly searches for her daughter in the uh, Durand Eastman Park in Rochester, New York.
1: Really cool. I haven't read about that one.
0: Yeah, so that's something we may look into in the future. Or, you know, everyone listeners, go check that out as well. Just check out that case. The Durand Eastman Park case in rochester new york so this movie was written and directed by frank Loggia, lalogea <laughs> yeah,
1: something like that yeah. yeah
0: um and he is known for only a handful of films he did 1981's fear no evil which is about a high school student that turns out to be lucifer in his fleshy form and then he did lady in white and then in 1995 he directed a thriller called mother Not to be mistaken with the recent mother film.
1: The lowercase m-o-t-h-e-r exclamation point.
0: Exactly. Very particular. Yep, that exclamation mark must be very important to the movie. So this film uh, stars some, a couple of people that you may recognize. I guess really the, the standout of the film is the lead, Frankie Scarlatti, is played by Lucas Haas. And if that name sounds familiar, he was a child actor that acted in a string of 80s movies. Two in particular are Witness with Harrison Ford. It's a pretty good movie. He's also in Solar Babies, which I don't know if any of you out there remember Solar Babies. Chelsea, does it ring a bell?
1: It does not ring any bells, but I'm trying to imagine what that movie's about right now, and I I have no clue.
0: It's the future. It's a the dystopia and a bunch of kids running around on roller skates. It's like the way that people get around, and they're wearing their like pads, and they there's like a mystical orb that they uh, they find.
1: And it's called Solar Babies.
0: Yeah, but there are no babies in the movie. I feel there's... like it should be called
1: Roller Babies.
0: Yeah, I think Roller Babies would be a good a good name. Maybe yeah. that was already taken. Oh, maybe. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Look up Solar Babies <laughs> if that's new to you. He was in a couple of episodes, or he was in a couple of TV episodes. He was in Amazing Stories in the 80s. He was in uh, the 80s remake of the Twilight Zone and has just been in stuff kind of consistently. A couple of things that uh, jumped out to me were he plays Richie in Mars Attacks. If you like that Tim Burton movie, which I do, that's a good one. He also has a small role in Ryan Johnson's Brick. He's listed as being in Inception and in Lincoln in smaller roles, and then there's a whole lot of other stuff he's been in. So, yeah, he's been in a lot. and He's a little kid in this. His brother, Gino, is played by Jason Preston. and his dad, Al, is played by Alex Rocco. He's got an Uncle Phil and then just some of the other casts and there is an individual kind of important to the plot he's um, the school janitor named Willie and we'll talk about how he's falsely accused in the film played by Henry Harris and the child victim that is the center of the story is played by Joelle Jacoby and she plays Melissa Ann Montgomery and her mom Ann Montgomery is Karen Powell and her aunt Amanda is played by Catherine Helmond, which she was in Who's the Boss, the TV show of the 80s. So that's what she's kind of known for. And then there's a couple of other cast characters that are kind of fun. So other than the movie not really doing all that great, upon its theatrical release, it made—well, I guess it didn't make—it cashed in— about $1.7 million off of a $4.7 million budget, but it's become kind of a cult hit on video. I think a lot of people have probably seen Lady in White earned, I guess, enough of a reputation for Scream Factory to come out with a big fancy Blu-ray fairly recently. So, And we ended up watching it. Actually, it's hard to find digitally to rent, so we rented it on Voodoo Vudu, V-U-D-U, which is uh, somehow connected to Walmart. I think it's like walmart's streaming service um,
1: i did not know it existed until you found this movie on it i've never heard of voodoo
0: <laughs> yeah i I don't know so that's a, a great way to watch it legitimately though i think the rental is like 2.99 or Three ninety nine. So, all right. Well, trying to keep this uh, fairly tight and concise while we talk about this movie. So, let's jump into talking about the movie itself. Chelsea, what did you think? I know you mentioned really liking it in the uh, opening of the episode.
1: Yes, yes, I really enjoyed it. I know when before we watched it, I was saying that I'd seen it on a list where they said it's a good Halloween movie for true crime lovers, and it definitely scratches the true crime itch. The actual crime in the movie is not based on anything real, but there are lots of realistic aspects we'll say. And it's not super Halloween y. It kind of stretches between like Halloween and Christmas as the season, but Frankie's first encounter with the ghost happens in Halloween and the lead up to that was really cool and seasonal, so I did like that. But because there is some Christmas stuff on it, you know, you guys could watch it any time between October and December. and enjoy it. It was great. It's one of those ones I don't know why I haven't heard of it before um, because it it really is solid. It's a good movie. Sad and funny and tugs on your heartstrings a little bit. I, I definitely enjoyed watching it a lot. I thought from watching the trailer that it would be a little bit more oriented towards kids but it was actually quite dark. I did guess who did it very early on though. Which we'll talk about that when we maybe get into the plot more. But, David, what did you think?
0: Yeah, I really... I liked Lady in White. I think you and I are often very closely aligned on movies. I think of, I guess, Siskel and Ebert sometimes, how they they fought about movies because they they saw things so differently. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh hey if you guys don't like us having the same opinion about a movie that's too bad
1: yeah we'll watch some quentin tarantino movies then we could fight oh yeah, that, oh, ho, ho, yeah. Ho, ho, ho. all right
0: that's fair <laughs> <laughs> no but i think that the true crime aspect of it um that you mentioned and that you see in it that's really cool from uh, like a horror movie perspective i thought that the all the ghost stuff was really well done there's a thing that they do with frankie discovering that the crime has occurred that is unlike anything i've ever seen in a movie before
1: and that was the point where i was like oh this movie is very very dark <laughs> in a way that i did not expect
0: yeah and um i loved all the acting the movie feels very like slickly produced for uh, the budget that it has there is a lot of cool effects work that i liked i thought that the the family was really um interesting
1: it was a very it was very comedic i will say i'm i'm italian you know that was not my experience growing up but it was probably my grandfather's experience (laughs) and my mom to a certain extent but very italian family yeah they they play it up quite a bit which i feel like it's probably the writer director writing and directing from his own experiences for sure
0: yeah so with that i thought we could just kind of loosely talk about the movie without going into
1: too much detail but we're gonna spoil it so if you don't want to know who the killer is And you'd rather go rent the movie on voodoo and then come back and finish listening to us. It might be fun to be surprised or it might be fun to try to guess it. (laughs) So now would be the point when you pause us, go uh, watch it. What is it? Like an hour and a half, an hour, 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's a a pretty uh, pretty tight movie. Yeah.
1: And then come back and finish listening, please.
0: and now you're back oh wait and we're back no we've been here all the time <laughs> the lady in white maybe we could frame it with talking about the discovery of the crime and just kind of jumping into the middle of the movie and then jumping towards the end that was like well, a plan. we can start
1: let's talk about the halloween encounter first because oh, yeah. it's yeah that's probably my favorite part of the movie. So it starts off on Halloween day and it's Frankie is at school. His school is having a party and there's like two of these bratty little kids in the classroom that are picking on him and they hide his new winter hat in the closet. So he ends up going back into the school after closing and going into the closet and the kids follow him in and they lock him in.
0: And this sets the plot in motion. I guess the the mechanics of it all work so well. Yes. One one little thing leads to this discovery that while Frankie's like trapped on Halloween night Mm -hmm. when it's spooky and there is a graveyard right outside of the school and he's kind of you know looking out the the window trying to see if there's any way he could get out and this is when suddenly a ghost appears.
1: Yes it's I forget the exact time was it like eight it was like eight or was it ten there's the Time is significant because it's one of the the iterations of a ghost where she's kind of reliving her last moments at the time that it occurred. And she kind of appears walking through the closet door. She's interacting with someone that you can't see, saying, I think, that he had a like, hidden present somewhere in there and she's looking for it. And then... Suddenly, she's like a transparent color. She's a really cute little girl with curly hair. And suddenly her ghost is attacked by a person you can't see. And she's knocked to the ground and strangled until she's unconscious and then it's really really creepy because this person like picks her up but you can't see the person that's attacking her so all you see is like her body that's on the ground and suddenly it's like up hanging limp in this person's arms and goes out like walk they disappear through the locked door and frankie sees all this
0: what you're describing to me appears to be a class one ectoplasmic repeater
1: (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for that, David. <laughs> so Frankie's obviously shaken by this experience. He has his in his boots. his night is not over yet because a dark figure actually unlocks the door and goes into the closet. And Frankie's kind of frozen. He has his Halloween mask on, which is like a Dracula mask. And he's sitting in the closet trying not to make any noise because this man is going to the vent where Frankie had heard something dropped down during the attack and he's unscrewing the vent. So, you know, he's the killer.
0: Yeah. And there's a moment where Frankie's like, all right, I have this mask on. I'm in the dark. Maybe I can pretend to be a puppet or something. Like, I don't know. That's exactly what I would probably do. He just, he just kind of holds sit still and he's like, sit in there. Um, While this, this cloaked, well, not cloaked, but cloaked in darkness figure is, is trying to, trying to get in there. And then there's a, so there's some nice, I guess tension because Ooh, like yeah. there's like a, a mouse or a rat or whatever that is like he hears a sound, the perpetrator hears a sound and he like shines his flashlight out, just shy yeah. of Frankie.
1: But eventually he does notice Frankie there. He pulls him down and strangles him. Eventually he does stop breathing. He has a Weird kind of thing where he has like an out-of-body experience and he's floating around and he sees like the two asshole kids at his like his grave. He sees his own mom's funeral. I guess his mom had died a few years back, but eventually he's revived and it's actually his father is there so he's given cpr and survived and while the police are there in the building they end up arresting the janitor who was in the boiler room i guess he had gotten drunk after work and had passed out in the basement so you know for the rest of the movie he's on trial and it is a uh, commentary on race essentially because he was arrested based on nothing no evidence but he is black And they make they make it very clear that, you know, he had nothing to do with it and that it's all based on his race.
0: Yeah. And it kind of ties together with the film taking place in 1962. It also feels, I mean, timely in our day in 2017 as well. So, yeah, that's that's probably the heaviest part of the film. Besides a, a child being murdered, yeah. <laughs> which is terrible, yeah, but yeah. you know, I think that this, the civil rights issue, yeah, it's, it's really heavy. I think it's done with a, a deft hand, I guess. Yeah.
1: yeah well, it's sad because you kind of see his wife and children being mistreated by people in the town and the person who really stands up for them is Frankie's dad, even though at this point, you know, he doesn't know whether the janitor did it or not, you know, i I think he does not believe that he did it but it's kind of seems like no matter what that's not a reason to be mistreating his family <laughs> so
0: yeah yeah so, totally so I don't yeah. know how how far we want to go into the the movie and, and all yeah. of that but that kind of I guess sets things in motion for everyone
1: yes I think we could just kind of gloss over the rest of it so Frankie actually goes into that vent and gets what the man had been trying to get so it's a and I w- <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, because yeah, you're like, is he what is in there? And yeah. they kind of do a little of a fake out because he finds a clip, like a hair clip.
1: Well, the hair clip did belong to the ghost. So, oh, while he was like dying, he sees her and talks to her, and she says that she's looking for her mom. Uh, Melissa, the ghost, says she's looking for her mom. And yeah, while he's down there, he finds the hair clip that belonged to her, but he also finds a man's high school, like, graduation ring.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Yes.
1: So that ring belonged to the killer, obviously. That's what he was going to get because I guess they were going to be working on, like, the, in the boiler room, like, replacing the heating ducts or something in the school. So I guess he realized he needed to go and take this out. So it turns out that (laughs) there was a child killer. Do they ever say if he's, like, a rapist or a pedophile? I know he killed boys and girls,
0: I think they just... Uh, they kind of about...
1: implied that I think there was a sexual component to it.
0: Yeah, no, there, there, there is a very creepy scene towards the end. There's where a that very is creepy
1: scene towards the end. But Melissa was the first person that was killed by this serial killer 10 years prior. And Frankie kind of takes it upon himself to investigate it a little bit. The other town ghost story is about a lady in white at these cliffs... So she's haunting the cliffs, and Melissa's body was found. She had been thrown over those cliffs. So they're they're more intimately connected, which we'll get into in a minute. But So this ring is the big clue, and he kind of drops the ring in his bedroom like three-quarters of the way through the movie, and his brother finds it. And the brother makes the connection because his dad had the same ring.
0: Right. He has the same ring in like his keepsake box that yeah. I guess the kids... Go into now and again and kind and of explore. get in trouble for, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then that's when you're like, okay, well, he's got the ring, they're engraved on the inside, yes. and they know the dad's initials. So yes. It was like the moment of uh, Gino's like polishing the ring off to kind of see what it says, and, yeah. and you're like, oh, who is it gonna be, yeah, and uh, I thought that was a great scene. I, I think the only thing is it provided a little misdirection because. It kind of made me think that maybe he was going to mix up the rings at some point and it would become evidence but it would be like the dad's ring.
1: Yeah. I I kind of wondered if it was going to do that too, but it was it was pretty straightforward. So it turns out that the ring belonged to their Uncle Phil, who was not really their uncle but was very close with their dad growing up and you know they treated him like an uncle. He was very close, which as soon as his character was introduced early on, I was like that's the killer.
0: <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. He's like, do you like Once to- you
1: do the, you're like a brother to me. It's like, oh yeah, he's definitely murdering children.
0: And he's like, hello, Frankie, would you like to go shoot some bows and arrows? Oh
1: my God. Yeah. Yes. So the brother realizes that Phil is the killer, but when he realizes it, you know, he goes to find Frankie and it turns out Frankie is out shooting bows and arrows with The effing killer. (laughs) Oh,
0: and it's such a brilliant piece of drama.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, like, he runs and goes to find his dad and the police and Frankie is hanging out with him. There's, like, a creepy scene where this dude is, like... So at this point, you know that he's the killer, but Frankie still doesn't, and the dude's, like, creeping on him and, like, smelling his face. He's like,
0: helping him draw the bow, and it's one of those... It's always creepy in a movie. It's, like, whether it's someone helping someone shoot a gun and they're all pressed up against them. It's a similar... It's like really a ch- like, like, yeah.
1: That. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, he actually ends up making the connection because as they're packing up the car to leave... Phil starts whistling this song and Frankie realizes this is a song. He heard the ghost singing this song to her attacker, you know, saying, oh, it's your like your favorite song. I'll sing it. So he realizes it. And then from his reaction, Phil realizes that Frankie knows.
0: And it's a brilliant Frankie gets in the car locking doors one one at a time while... Uncle Phil's running around trying to trying to get it's- to an open door and then he does the thing. He does the thing in the scary movie where he drops down below a sight.
1: Oh my god, it's it's really freaky. Um, and yeah, he like he ends up like getting into the back. It's like a station wagon. So he's able to like get halfway through the back window as Frankie's like rolling up the window and he gets stuck for a minute and then just breaks through the glass and Frankie gets out and runs through the woods and the woods are leading up to the cliffs where that cabin is that the lady in white is haunts. So Phil is trying to explain to Frankie, you know, I didn't know it was you. You were wearing a mask. I wouldn't hurt you, even though he's still a serial child killer. And they end up fighting. Phil is basically strangling, <laughs> strangling Frankie when he ends up getting whacked over the head. And it's by who you find out it's Amanda who takes Frankie into the cabin and shows her what was Melissa's bedroom. It turns out, so she's the person that people think is the Lady in White at first, but she's actually Melissa's aunt, so the sister of Melissa's mom. Yeah, and And she's
0: like, it's okay, sweetheart, I killed him. And that's when you're like, oh, he's going to pop back up.
1: Oh, yeah, and I think he stabs her. Yeah, oh, he does. Yeah, and they end up setting the cabin on fire. So she's dead now, and frankie runs out and there's this fight between him and phil at the cliff's edge and of course phil ends up falling to his death but he's the actual lady in white ghost who's melissa's mom comes out and like scares him and he falls over but you know you'll see he like grabs onto a vine and there's like it's one of those fights that doesn't really end until it finally does and he finally falls to his death r.i.p
0: uncle phil yes Bye-bye. And by
1: R.I.P., I mean burn in hell.
0: <laughs> we mean crushed body on the rocks.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, do not R.I.P. But yeah, it's but then a you happy get the happy ending. The ghosts are reunited. Yes. yes. The
0: ghosts are reunited. It's very sweet. It's a little bit like, well, the ending of Hocus Pocus.
1: Yes. Yep. Uh, Although really? I will always be a little bit sad because the cat dies like the, the actual there's like an actual dead cat in but, Hocus Pocus and I always forget about it until it happens and I'm like oh wait now I remember that there's an actual like dead cat that's very sad
0: Hocus Pocus perfect movie except for the dead kitty
1: yeah but but yes Lady in White is just I was really impressed I'm really looking forward to watching it again now that I know more of what to expect um, because it was yeah some of those scenes are terrifying and shocking and absolutely not what i was expecting but in a good way
0: yeah definitely i think it's worth adding to our library so we'll probably pick up the physical copy since it's so hard to get otherwise can't buy it on itunes but um yeah if you know if you want to see it i definitely recommend uh either doing the the screen factory route if you got a blu-ray player or renting it on voodoo all right thanks everyone um just remember to check us out on social media instagram at based on true crime twitter at true crime based our website, basedontruecrime.com. Facebook, Based on a True Crime. We're pretty easy to find if you type those things in, hopefully. And also be sure to stream our show on Stitcher. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Stream directly from our website. We don't mind what you do, just as long as if you have time to please rate and review and subscribe. All right. Well, uh, hope you all remember that death is but a door.
1: And time is but a window.
0: We'll be back.